the upanishads are a beautiful treatise that combine the highest wisdom with life and shows the path that leads us towards freedom towards immortality towards griefless states towards states of inner felicity towards delight it unites philosophy and the methods the quest so beautifully intertwined in many of the uh, writings shlokas that very often one wonders because by method we think it is going to tell us how to sit how to breathe how to do this how to do that but very often its statements some of the bold statements that it makes are themselves a method if we reflect upon them it enlarges our vision it takes us to heights that are sublimest of the sublime take for example the very first opening verse of the ishopanishad isha vasya midam sarvam yatkincha jagatyam jagat tena tyaktena bhunjita magrida kasusiddhanam it's a um, you know it starts with this grand opening and the grand opening is that the divine is everywhere everything is for the habitation of the divine the smallest activity the largest activity the greatest the drift of the galaxies the motion of thoughts the rise and fall of feelings the various uh, uh, inner movements that take place within us and within this creation in different worlds in all of them they are meant for the divine to inhabit and there is a divine presence concealed within it all and from there comes a practice which it says in very simple uh, way very direct way tena tyaktena bhunchita by renouncing thou must uh, thou enjoy the delight so this renunciation it doesn't may say very clearly what we have to renounce and people can draw their own meanings but what you have to renounce this idea that it is mine it simplicity in the very first uh, shloka that all is for the lord all belongs to the lord and the lord inhabits all this idea that this is me this is mine this is what we have to renounce and we when we renounce it it's not a renunciation which is uh, a, you know a despondent renunciation of a vairagi who has got sick and tired of the world and therefore is renouncing it is the renunciation of the strong who is basically moving from a state of conditional joy which is what we experience here we experience happiness and sorrow um uh, pain and joy pleasure together so instead of that conditional state we arrive at an unconditional state of felicity and delight so it's it's inbuilt within the practice so uh, basically it shows us a way to lead life and then from that it comes do not try to take anybody else's position why would one like to because nobody really possesses anything so this way the whole upanishad proceeds and it gives us a number of key ideas to meditate upon one of the methods of the upanishad is that when we meditate upon the idea idea itself has a power we normally take idea to be just a you know one of those thought forms which have crossed and we love to play with ideas we love to pick up a thought from here pick up a thought from there and create a kind of hodgepodge inside the brain but the upanishad rather would tell us that take one idea let it become our life as shubhendra puts in savitri a lonely thought becomes omnipotent now with this idea there are several ideas which contradict it several thought forms discard them just pick up this one idea and live with this idea this meditation of the upanishad is a living meditation it's a dynamic meditation it's a meditation that takes place in life nowhere does it say that sit like this and therefore 
मेडिटेट अपॉन द आइडिया इट्स ए लिविंग मेडिटेशन वन कैन डू इट वाई वॉकिंग ईटिंग स्पीकिंग लिसनिंग इन ऑल द वेरियस एक्टिविटीज ऑफ रीडिंग राइटिंग वर्क ऑल थिंग्स सो वॉट इज दैट आइडिया वी हैव टू मेडिटेट अपॉन द ईश उपनिषद टेल्सस एंड इन सेवरल प्लेसेज इवन वेन द उपनिषद स्पीक्स अबाउट ओम सो अगेन इट सेज यू हैव टू कंसीव इट एज एन ऑल परवेडिंग रियालिटी so first thing we have to understand is god is all pervading he is not just here and not there he is not just doesn't belong to one particular you know denomination or religious group but he is an all pervading reality so it says that meditate upon this idea that the lord is in all beings the self is in all and all beings are in the self and the self has become all so essentially in all the upanishads before we come to specific uh, practices just in overview all the upanishads emphasize upon this nature of truth nature of self nature of god so he is everywhere and in everything he is imminent in creation and he is imminent within us so any which way we go if we go to the end point we will discover god now several places in the upanishads um, for instance we'll see this in the mundak upanishad we'll see this in kain upanishad there is a kind of feeling that it speaks about a lower knowledge or a lower uh, a kind of ignorance uh, and there is a higher knowledge which is the knowledge of god and there is a tendency to feel that it's saying that discard it cut it off and discover uh, the higher knowledge well uh, it's one way to look at it but basically what the upanishad is saying is that it's important first to discover god god knowledge first and why god knowledge first because he is everywhere in and in everything so when we discover god when we know god we know everything so it is going from within outwards discover the source discover the origin and then we will truly understand this creation and know how to deal with it in the right way so the emphasis is on god knowledge but not discarding world knowledge in fact if we look at the ishop nisha this speaks about this two types of knowledge and it says that through avidya you find one kind of knowledge which is also necessary and through vidya you discover another kind of knowledge the knowledge of oneness and avidya is about multiplicity so if one has to play with tools surgeon has to operate so he must enlarge the scope of his understanding further and further and further till a point comes when this by this very progressive enlargement and widening of the lower knowledge he can touch into the higher and this we see happening in modern science it's happening in um, you know physics it's happening in medicine it happens in art that when you go to the ultimate uh, point of enlargement you will enter into the vastness of god just to take an example you know we have um, one of our uh, wonderful painters from the ashram and you know nowadays she doesn't paint so today only we had a small little discussions one of the painters who was also present he said you know i want to i am ready to give her a paper and if she must paint i said no she has finished the painting and now she is one with the all beautiful uh, art is the expression of the all beautiful and it's an attempt to search the all beautiful so it changes the very stance the way we look at life one way to look at it is that well oh my god she is now unable to paint the other way is that painting has done what it had to do and she is upgraded she has discovered the all beautiful and instantly one could see everything in her, her change of course at a still greater level upanishad tries to integrate that too because we cannot really be an artist unless we in some way know the all beautiful the very purpose of art is to reveal what is hidden by the forms to bring out that beauty which is hidden behind same thing applies to everything the purpose of science is to see how god works in this creation 
purpose of science is not that okay i have discovered some processes which is fine that's all right but how god works in this creation and when we discover that then everything becomes so you know beautiful and complete this is the path second is that we must uh, you know if you look at through the upanishad this primarily uh, the yoga of knowledge which is insisted upon there is works there is love or rather adoration of the uh, divine but uh, it's primarily a yoga of knowledge and therefore we see the stress upon meditation but this meditation is not an exclusive meditation there is along with it an indispensable basis which the upanishad repeatedly brings out in various ways and that is purification unless the heart and the mind and thought and the will are not purified this is a very beautiful example the kat upanishad says it says the master uh, like fire in the tinder so you know it's it's often people ask where is god so the tinders you have those logs of wood so one can say god is like the fire in the tinders do we see it no we don't see it can we see him yes we can see him we have to extract him out so that's how it says that we have to extract the master who is there in the tinders through the fire so the more we purify the more the fire of aspiration there is a lot of emphasis on this fire fire of aspiration that burns within man the fire of aspiration which is at the base of creation in fact the entire katopanishad speaks about the triple fire and through the triple fire man arriving at the highest and what is this triple fire it's at all the three levels at the level of the mind which is thought at the level of the heart and vital meaning thereby the, all the dynamic impulses of emotions and will and at the level of the body all these three the fire must burn and purify and it's only when things are purified refined and constantly sublimated then only we can arrive at the highest we cannot afford to step into two boats at the same time this upanishad says without any um, mincing of words that you can either belong to the world completely or you can belong to god now when we belong to god we automatically the world comes to us in katopanishad story is very interesting it speaks about choosing and choosing wisely nowadays there is so much emphasis upon make your choices so how do we make choices so choices are not horizontal choices in upanishad choices are vertical choices so we can choose between what is pleasant and we can choose between what is good shreyas and prayas now the interesting part of the upanishad is this particular upanishad is when nachiketa chooses the shreyas that which is good then you know he has discarded all that gifts that yama is going to give the outer wealth the riches and success and he chooses that which is good but the moment he chooses it now um, nachiketa gives him this um, the yama gives him a necklace a beaded necklace which is nothing else but powers of nature they come to a person so the way is very different that yes of course the world is not rejected or neglected but why should we live in the world in a half half existence we should lead a full existence so the fullness of existence come when we discover the fullness of being so the emphasis is on discovering a greater and greater self the the greater we discover our own selfhood the better we have command over nature so this is another aspect that the upanishad brings out that nobody who has not refrained from evil doing now evil doing is very simply uh, you know a selfishly motivated action egoistically motivated action an action which is driven by the impulse of desire so repeatedly we find an emphasis on these things um, at one place it literally says the sacrifice of the head so uh, any as long as man lives by the ego as long as he lives by desires uh, he can at best form certain concepts he can play with words but he must 
shun desires and he must shun desires not just as a sanyasi who shuns it for the sake of shunning it he shuns desire because then only he will be uh, allowed admittance to a greater felicity and delight so very often people start with this conception of god that you know he is truth and he is barren and all that often we image him like that you know seated in some uh, austere peaks but in the upanishads god is described as not just a formless uh, being but his essence is delight both the kain upanishad and uh, further um, some of the upanishad they describe him as rasa he is the supreme delight of existence so it is this shunning of desire is not to be done with this idea of barrenness this is uh, you know the gita puts it very beautifully it says yoga is not not done by a despondent heart it is done by somebody who is you know full of gladness i remember uh, once uh, someone from the ashram who had a uh, very heavy parkinson's disease trembling all over had come to pune all the way for some function he is in his 80s so he had come to one of our study groups so someone there asked him sir aren't we supposed to become serious when we practice yoga so um, he, he said what do you mean by that he said you know we, and he that man was also looking very solemn and serious so this yogi very beautifully remarked he said well when we are going to the home of the all delightful we are bound to experience delight so he says but what if we do the yoga more seriously he says then you will experience more delight what a beautiful uh, way it says that because he is rasa In fact, the Upanishad goes on to say that such a person, how does he help to the world? There is another common misconception that such a person who seeks God becomes useless to the world. It just the reverse. The Kain Upanishad, as the grand culmination, says that such a one who has found uh, this truth, one can impart it to others. But more importantly, he becomes a nectar of sweetness, and all the people in the world they get drawn to such a person simply because he is. Um, experiencing and expressing and radiating this sweetness which is inside it's something so beautiful shri ramakrishna would say that you know as honey bees come to flower so this is how he becomes an instrument and channel for god's work in the world so there is a great but first he must purify himself there is a great emphasis on purification there is a great emphasis on truth and the truth of the upanishad is not just speaking truth which is important truth of feelings which is also important truth of will what is the true will within us if we, it's not truth like cut off from the world it truth is acting at every layer how often we act uh, hypocritically and in contravention to our own inner truth at whatever level we find it it doesn't matter it has to be go you know the seeking has to go further and further but finally it speaks of truth as the very bedrock of existence so not to stop at any half hearted formulas of truth but to discover the deepest truth that upholds this entire existence so this is what the upanishad repeatedly reminds us that uh, follow the path of truth satyamev jayate because eventually this is this truth with will win so it asks us to have faith asks us to endure through the journey then there are some very interesting uh, remarks that the upanishad gives about some kind of preparation it uh, makes it very clear that we cannot know this truth by just brain power so we cannot know it by sitting in a university by doing a degree we may do all the degrees possible in god you know there are theological studies in which people have studied religious scriptures but that does not give us god knowledge it can at best be a preparation 
it can widen the mind if pursued rightly it can make the mind more supple but eventually god knowledge comes by direct experience pratyaksham that's what it says and uh, very beautifully it says nayamatma namedhana bahunashruti and it's not by reading not by hearing but it comes when the self decided to d- decides to disclose itself so why delays so another um uh, verse along similar lines nayamatma balhine so it says this truth is not for the weak if we are weak will it will blow away our mind all our concepts and uh, it it shatters because truth is not a narrow dogmatic formula one of the first things that if truth manifest it may well do is that take away all our religious uh, ideas and throw them <laughs> out of the window and you know uh, reveal to us a much vaster all encompassing reality uh, you know that experience of the mother because truth is infinite where she gave this experience of infinite to a uh, infinite to one of the japanese she could just transmit this experience like that and when she gave this experience to him he started uh, running away. he said what have you done to me what have you done to me why what happened i can't feel love for my country the way i used to feel earlier because well the way i used to feel means there is a complete identification with the country but now there is identification with something infinite country has its place its role but it becomes so much secondary its significance is because of the divine no more because i am born into it and same thing with when you know shurbindo would give silence to someone and the person started wondering whether i have gone stupid so the mind has to be quietened we are the discursive intellect cannot find the divine it has to learn to be quiet repeatedly speaks about tranquilizing the mind tranquilizing the heart of emotions um, impure emotions tranquilizing the will of this constant turbulence of desires and when we do that there are two step procedure to finding the self first the self begins to reflect in the mind itself like the moon reflects in a still waters of lake but that's not enough we must find the self not just see the reflection you see that story of shrimad bhagavat puran which is so interesting uh, when baby krishna is uh, asking ma yashoda i want to uh, eat the moon slice of the moon after all krishna you know he cannot be satisfied with anything less so mother says how how can i bring moon this is an impossible demand no i will only eat moon then only i will go Uh, i want to play with the moon that's how he says so mother yashoda thinks of a trick she plays the she makes a little vessel in a vessel she puts water and then the moon's reflection comes she says now you play with it so he says don't cheat me don't try to fool me <laughs> so this immortalized in one of the bhajans which as a child i used to sing kana mange khel khilona फुलनेस ऑफ योगिक रियलाइजेशन वन हैज टू रियलाइज इम अबाउट सो द उपनिषद स्पीक अबाउट अ टायर ऑफ वर्ल्ड थ्रू विच वी मूव वी फाइंड दिस इन वन ऑफ द डायलॉग्स यू नो ब्रिगो अल्ली वेयर ब्रिगो एंड वारुणी दे 
talk to each other <laughs> the son and father what a beautiful conversation it is not like dad how much money i can get from you so of course dad is also a realized being so he asks his dad tell me about truth and he says you meditate and find so he meditates and says dad anam brahmit this matter is reality doesn't say nonsense he says yes yeah meditate more and find so he meditates more see what was the method and he comes back and says oh i have discovered that man doesn't live only by food he it's is the desire which impels him so it is prana which makes all things move and it is the impulsion in life so that is brahman and he says well good but seek further so he says it is the mind the thought which is brahman and he says seek still further then he goes to the causal idea the vigyana so he says that is brahman he says wonderful just take one more step and at the end he says anandam brahmeti he is verily delight of existence so when we look at it it doesn't discard any of this it gives us hierarchy of worlds in several of the uh, ways the upanishad speaks about the hierarchy of the world for instance um, you know we live in a very um, honestly a very claustrophobic existence even this vast material universe what's the big deal if this is all and because human beings began to realize just as an aside that we are living in a claustrophobic world you see this uh, stifling feeling this claustrophobia all this increased markedly in the last uh, few decades and um, of course psychiatrists give alprazolam and clonazepam and some kind of training but that's a part the real meaning is that sometimes we feel cramped up within our bodies and because the supramental manifestation started working you will see that in the 60s people wanted experience of alternate worlds so they went into the wrong channel you know the asura was waiting there okay come i'll give you the experience and through lsds they got projected into all the vital worlds some of them did uh, uh, experience something nice but for one colorids there are many who became junkies and hippies but nevertheless this there was a search for alternate worlds this alternate worlds has a significance upon us because all the powers are impinging there is a whole upanishadic story which speaks about the devasur sangram then there is another which speaks about devasur sangram in a very different way not the kena upanishad i think it's atriya upanishad or um, one of those uh, nice valleys uh, where he uh, yeah i think it's the a3 upanishad where the upanishad speaks about the gods and the demons so what were they doing it says it gives us a method and along with that gives us the challenge so it says that you know may we hear the auspicious may we see the auspicious may we speak the auspicious it's a practice how do we see the auspicious there are people who say world is full of all kinds of you know ugliness yes it is still may we see the auspicious behind all this there is hidden a supreme god there is the all beautiful and we must try to find him that's why the upanishad sometimes uses analogy extricate he who by discernment extricates the righteous from all this mixture you know katopanishad righteous what is the righteous is not righteousness in terms of the moral virtues but the one alone who is right who is seated in the heart that also upanishad says concentrate in the heart on aditi or on om so all this it gives so in that um, conversation uh, upanishad says that see the auspicious now how do we see the auspicious it's the effort to see the beautiful the good behind everything then hear the auspicious uh, how do i force myself to hear the auspicious because 
um, all things are all mixed. So here we have to learn to tune ourselves to the voice of truth, the hearing, truth vision and truth hearing. So truth vision is about seeing the divine in everything, behind everything. Truth audition is receiving the divine inspiration, all these goddesses of the Vedas, um, Ila, Mahi, Saraswati, intuition, through which we can actually start receiving inspirations which reveal to us. These inspirations are revelatory, which reveal to us the nature of workings which are going on in this creation. And then speak the auspicious. So that's why we see some of these rishis, they are very strange people. Even when they curse, it turned out to be a boon. Because, you know, they were so training their speech to... Uh, speak the truth and to speak the auspicious. So, but it says he spoke the truth and the demon pierced it. He pierced the ears, he pierced the eyes, evil. So what does it do? It deliberately diverts us to see the ugliness. So wherever you find people who are all the time, you know, some people come and say, we have read about adverse forces and hostile forces and start telling, oh, adverse forces and hostile forces. They have to be reminded Adverse forces are there. Nobody can deny it. But we are supposed to see the divine everywhere. Adverse forces and hostile forces is a small section in Shubindu's writings. <laughs> that we must know, certainly. But we must not give it so much importance that we start seeing adverse forces and hostile forces everywhere. And we must know what they do. They are the ones who fill doubt in the mind. They are the ones who throw clouds of depression, despair. And we have to pierce through them. And how we pierce through them? These doubts and all, the method is not uh, discussing, debating, but the method is beautiful. Tear the veil of the heart. See the truth for yourself. Experience it. Become one with it. Pratyaksham. And when that happens, then all doubts are gone. After all, we can have doubts till we have actually seen something. We are going and we don't know how it will be. You know, we have heard an opinion, we have heard contrary opinions, we have heard God exists, we have heard God doesn't exist, we have heard He may or may not exist, we have heard that Harvard University study that 40% He exists, 40% He doesn't exist, 20% we don't know. We have heard all these things. How can we know God through all these means? Walk. How to walk? Take the staff of faith and the fire of aspiration and walk. How to walk? It gives us a beautiful method. Arise, awake and stop not till the goal is reached. Uttishtata, Jagrata, Prapivarani Bodhita. That is the seeker. The seeker is not somebody who 5-10 minutes says, Okay, fine, I'll study something from the Upanishads or the Gita and I'll remember it and I'll vomit it. That's not the seeker's uh, being. The seeker is a one who is, there is a line in Savitri, Questing for God as a hound. Can you imagine? <laughs> hound questing for God, where are you? It is that which really brings uh, the divine. That prepares the consciousness. See how Meera sings bhajan. She is forgetful of everything. Adoration, submission to the master. It speaks about the master. The Upanishad says this knowledge has to be transmitted by a master to a disciple. Because it's the highest knowledge. Even the most ordinary ABCD we cannot learn without you know, somebody to guide us. This is the highest knowledge. A master. Now, Upanishad doesn't qualify living master, dead master, realized master. It doesn't say that. Well, but just for the sake of information. Nachiketa's master is not only dead master, he is death. 
so here it's something very interesting this idea that later on came living master sadguru and all these that the true master so it created a lot of confusion in the mind well it's good to have a living master but you can equally have a dead master <laughs> i mean death itself can become a master how does death become a master to nachiketa it's worth noting and even before that what is the spirit of nachiketa the sacrifice that he makes he says that you know what is the point of giving things which are useless which have lost their you know milk uh, those cattle why are you giving them give something beautiful to god when we go for offering ourselves to the divine why do we give it you know shubindu writes so beautifully till now i have lived my life as a thief now shubindu is writing it in a letter why because two and i have given to god and 14 and as i have kept to myself well, sir it's not true of you but still you know he has written that that's his humility so what is that offering offer to god the best what is the best within us our intelligence turn it to the divine to know the divine truths to let knowledge flame up from within what is best within us the heart surging up the emotions offer it to god what is best within us the will which can achieve things strives offer it to god so when we do that offering then even death can become a teacher we see it's very interesting the dialogue between yam and nachiketa leave aside the deeper respect the symbol the mysticism but there is something very uh, beautiful to note there how does death become the teacher to nachiketa instantly by the very fact death is the teacher nachiketa knows that all that i can gain on earth is transient <laughs> so uh, you see this whole thing can be summarized in one single way i mean of course like all summaries over summarizing it so he says that well all things that are transient i can give you and nachiketa says but you will take away one day yes i will i don't want that i want the knowledge of the immortality who better to ask so what is nachiketa doing he is striving to find that which survives the end of time so when he seeks that he you know that is revealed to him and that says i am sorry i also don't know because i have not seen that great being but i know where he resides where he resides in the heart because that's place i cannot touch how he is tied with 101 strings all the attachments through which you know uh, we spread out in the world repeatedly we hear this that draw from the senses it gives that image which which is immortalized uh, both in the upanishads and the gita that when the life is driven by the senses then it's like we are sitting on a wild horse and he is carrying us anywhere where will he carry us imagine you know we sit on the horse and tell the horse take me wherever you wish to take so this modern concept meri marzi is not meri marzi my senses ki marzi so when we are driven by the senses this life in you know invariably goes to perdition i'll do whatever my senses dictate me to do i'll go to the best eat trees why because i am having extra salivation i'll be running after outer charm so i'll be invariably it's all the time people are busy with amazon shopping and i don't know what all new shopping centers have come so what's happening there it's like basically all my i'm driven by the sense whatever i hear i tend to take it as truth whatever i see i'm running after that i am seeing appearances and based on that i am deriving conclusions running by the senses means that but then we have to learn to self mastery is another thing which upanishad insists self mastery self conquest sorat samrat so what is self mastery first the mind should learn how to rein in the senses don't act on the first impulse step back 
learn to live within if you have to give it as a method step back from the senses from the weaving of form and name so it is not discarding something but taking a deeper look and this deeper look begins to reveal truths which are otherwise hidden when we are driven just by appearances take still for the back apply your discernment so in everyday life when we are taking a decision when we are going to speak let it not just be a reactionary habit i see something and i blurt out i hear something and i blurt out step back apply the discernment maybe in the babble of a child there is a truth maybe in somebody who is uh, accusing you of something still there may be a truth discover that truth that's what is meant by that you know shurasya dhara nishita duratya kavyo vadanti sharp is the path as a razor said what does the razor said mean it it's about vigilance who can walk on the razor said one who is vigilant so vigilance means that one is ready to pick up every little pearl of truth from wherever it comes and it, he discards the husk that's not necessary mother speaks of it as that ingot of gold hidden behind a whole uh, you know uh, wheat shafts so shafts and the uh, stems they all are discarded ultimately you want to extract that uh, hidden ingot of gold there are several ways mystics have you know revealed this truth to us as i said master in the tinders where is god he is in the log of wood like fire i can't see him but you can see him if you light up the fire so there is a process to do it and the process is the contact of the lower with the higher that's how the uh, you know kathopanishad speaks about that um, by contact with the higher and how to contact this higher you can contact it through the master guru there is emphasis upon that or simply by meditating upon the self when we are seeking the self the self is also drawing near to us because he is a being he is not just an the god of the upanishad is not just a formless impersonal reality of course he is that as a bedrock but he is always portrayed as a being as a delight he is not bare truth the way we understand truth so apply the discernment and discernment it should be further upgraded and this greater than buddhi is the great self there is a deeper psychic discernment so discernment uh, is at two levels one is that intellectual discernment which is upgrading the mind you know uh, how to choose but there is still deeper discernment the discernment of the self within and that should decide the psychic being should choose what we should and what we should not so there is the mention of the psychic being in upanishad that who is the real leader of the body at one one of the upanishad i think it is i may mistaken swetashwatar way speaks about mana prana sharira nit manomay prana sharira nita so mind is the leader of uh, life and the body but it says that who is the true leader the true leader is angustmat purusha who is within that is what we must find so nachiketa you want to find immortality find him you want to find immortality find aditi who is hidden in the heart the divine mother you want to find immortality light up the fire in the tinders and this is the fire of aspiration then we discover the seat of immortality in fact it uses something very interesting the highest seat of vishnu shubhita speaks about these uh, highest seats so uh, you know one of course uh, is is this lower triple world where he has put his foot you know it's very interesting if you go to goa you'll actually see um, one of the feet of vishnu over one of the asuras and gaya asur that's how the 
you know, you can actually see the feet of Vishnu. I mean, in the sense that it is believed that it, it is the feet of Vishnu. The second is all these mid-worlds and his, his highest heaven. And the third is beyond. So there is always this conception of the beyond. It doesn't uh, stop even at, you know, heaven. So there are these two worlds. One is the dark worlds, which we are speaking about. Asurya Nam Loka. So those who live in a state of constant despair, doubt, they, you know, some places it will use the word perdition. And then it says it has to be found in the body. There is no post-mortem salvation. The Upanishad doesn't believe in that, you know, you um, have subscribed to an ideology or a belief system or you are baptized into a religion and by that very fact, one day when you die, one day you will wake up from the grave and will be assigned a seat in hell or heaven. No sir, it's our state of consciousness that decides it. If you have lived a life of sadness, gloom, not fulfilling what your soul was meant to do, then even if you are a Brahmin, you are a Ravana and you come to perdition. That's how Ravana's story is. But if you have lived to fulfill what your soul has come for, then there is the ascension, then there is felicity. So all these wonderful thoughts and many more we see in the Upanishads, which are all yogic methods of practices, which is primarily the method is meditation and concentration in the heart center. It, it, um, it gives us the whole of Upanishad is full of this syllable Om. And it says that Om is everywhere. It is in the Material existence, it says very interestingly, it says, those who strive after Rome, the Mundak Upanishad, the first letter, they find this material existence. Those who meditate upon the second letter, they have the subtle existence. And those who meditate upon the third letter, so it's, they go toward the higher existence. And then finally, those who meditate upon the totality. See, the same thing like we have in the Mandukya Upanishad. The four states, Chatuspad Brahman, all this is the divine. But if you dedicate yourself only to this material existence, which is the first syllable of Om, it starts there, uh, then you are confined here. You don't have release. And it uses the word that those who go after only the first letter, um, it is like the Rig Veda. Then, the second letter, the Yajurveda, and the third letter, Samved. And then you go beyond because all the scriptures ultimately have to transcend them. So within Upanishads uh, itself, there is the seed of exceeding all words which are written or ever spoken. One must proceed, start from there. One starts from material existence. One goes to the subtler. One goes to the still higher existence and eventually which is, you know, the physical, vital, mental. These are the three worlds repeatedly. And then one takes a leap into the ultimate beyond. So this is the, uh, as I said, many, many things. But maybe quickly, some of the favorite. We know that Shurbindo used to love these two uh, verses from the Isha Upanishad. So we'll just read that. But he who sees everywhere the self in all existences and all existence in the self shrinks not thereafter from what. So it is not teaching us running away from life. Jugupsa. It is not teaching us I won't go here, I won't go there. It is teaching us to face life. But face life from the vantage point of the soul. Not face it just with a ignorantly that I'll go anywhere and everywhere. But face life. But face it from that vantage point. And when you have found the self, there is no shrinking from anything, even a battlefield. So, Shubindu's famous letter that, uh, you know, if I have myself sent people to do business and even enroll them in the war, 
So yoga can be done everywhere and in any vocation. It doesn't require us to leave our jobs and then do yoga. It requires a one-pointed concentration on the eternal and not on the transient things. He in whom it is the self-being that has become all existences that are becomings. For he has the perfect knowledge. How shall he be deluded? When shall he have grief who sees everywhere oneness? The perfect cure for grief. And mother says this very beautifully in toward the later part and every everywhere in prayers and meditation also. But one place she emphasizes. She says, there is nothing else but the divine. All is the divine. All is the divine. And then she says, all the rest is phantasmagoria. You know, then obviously people are confused now. Everything is divine. She says, the divine of yesterday, but invoke the divine of tomorrow. In the manifestation, the divine is constant. This we don't find very explicitly in the Upanishad. There are some things which are missing. For instance, the uh, manifestation of the divine. Uh, you know, the value of works, it's there, but not developed the way we find it in the Gita or even in the Vedas. And then, of course, what is missing is uh, the sweetest of all, love for the divine and the madness that we see in the Srimad Bhagavad, we see in the Gita and subsequently. That is something which is missing. It's primarily a Jnana Ganga. It, uh, not Yamuna and Saraswati. So it, it is a Ganges, pure, holy Ganges. <laughs> but Yamuna, the life in all its Gati, Saraswati, that deep, mighty river, which is not just wisdom but love, which, you know, is the origin of things. So, if you want to be freed from delusion, we have to learn to see oneness. But this oneness is not a blurring of distinction. Vidyancha, Vidyancha, Yasta Dedo Oneness is in the background and manifestation is in multiplicity and we have to understand the law of multiplicity. This law of multiplicity is not taught in science books. There is a very uh, sad um, you know, situation in India where in the, under the influence of a kind of liberal thought. People see it's all same. Everything is same. This is, uh, there is nothing more foolish than that. Everything is same in a sense. And these people are very nice speaking in tabletop discussions, coffee table. Sab ek hai, ek hi maya hai. Sab ek saman. Ishwar Allah tero naam, sabko samati de bhagwan. Sab same hai. Okay, fine. Next, when you have, see a cobra right next to you, take him and embrace him. Say it is the same. No, sir, how can you say that? Then don't speak such foolish things. It's actually, this is the delusion. This oneness as a concept. Oneness as an experience is a very different truth. It is where you see that divine element in everything. Even in that which is opposing, even in the sword that is striking. And then it doesn't mean you will say, okay, oh sword, strike me because you are divine. No, because you have to also fulfill the role of the divine assigned to you. You will also take out your sword if necessary and resist the slayer. But we'll do it with delight, not with anger and animosity, not with that. You see how beautifully when we see some of these Itihasa stories, Mahabharata and Ramayana, one of the things which strikes, even in fight, how could they say such things? That come, let's meet in a holiday of fight. They're not saying, you are such a bad person and I'm going to, you know, finish you. Nothing like that. The fight itself is so much, you can breathe the air of divinity in that fight. You know, Rama, when he is waiting, imagine he should be very angry that uh, this Ravana has taken away my wife, tormented my brother and all of us are in such a difficult spot because of this fellow. Let him come out and I'm going to shoot him with a pistol. 
He doesn't say that. Ravana comes and starts bragging. After he has finished all his bragging, then Rama says, Ravana, can we fight or you are only going to speak? Look at the beauty of this. This only one can do who knows oneness. That well, all said and done, Merai bacha hai. Okay, he, today my role is to fight with him. I'll fight. And fight to the hill, to the full. And yet in this fight, I will never uh, lose the truth of oneness that he who fights within him is also the same Krishna. And he who fights within me is also the same Krishna. And my rival's downfall is my own disgrace. I look at my enemy and see Krishna's face. So you see, these stories where Arjuna has to fight Shiva. All this is very interesting. Twice he has to fight Shiva. Once when he is not aware and the other time he is aware. And yet, he must fight because he must fulfill his role. He has given a promise and he must fulfill. Even when he knows that there is certain death. So it liberates us from all appearances. In death or in life, we see the one. So, well, and that's why it reminds us that actually death is only of the body. So when we remember it, life becomes so cool. <laughs> to use a modern term. The breath of things. That immortal self is the breath of life and the will within man. This doesn't die with death. It goes from life to life and returns to finish its fulfilled task. In fact, life doesn't die. It cannot die. It can only change forms and appearances. And then so beautifully, again the fire comes because purification, Shuddhi was very much insisted. And this purification has very little to do with outer purification. You know, in Chula, I have seen you know, my granny doing the uh, you know, lipapoti in the kitchen. It's fine, but anger was the same. <laughs> What's the point? Do that, that shuchita is important. But the real shuddhi is inside us. And for that, what is the way? It's not moral science rules of conduct. It's not, we don't need a book to tell us. It's not yama and niyama to tell us what we should do and what we should not do. There is within us someone which can tell us. And that is the God Agni, the purifier, the divine will in man. And if we have the aspiration, this fire, this flame begins to come, join with the divine will. And then this Agni tells us the good path to the felicity and removes from us the pravrti, the attraction towards sin. Not just evil doing. The European mind gives a lot of emphasis on outer control. So outwardly you should be very decent. But inwardly, you can imagine in your mental world anything. That's a hypocritical living. The true living is where inwardly we are cleansed. So you see some of these Indian stories very difficult to understand from another standpoint. For example, how is Yagnavalk having two wives? Now this is a not how we conceived morality. Morality was never considered like, you know, this put in slot. Good, bad. So, when we live life like that, as Shurabindu says jokingly, life governed by a set of rules, by a rule book. Then what do you do? You become a hypocrite because you are not leading according to your own deeper truth. You are going according to an outer social conduct, which is okay, fine. If one wants to do it, no. But inwardly you can think anything. You can be the most unchaste, polluted, filthy fellow in your mind. 
but outwardly you should look decent so this is what it is saying that remove from us the devious attraction of sin and so beautifully in the kain upanishad of this knowledge this deepest self knowledge austerity and self conquest and works are the foundation one cannot live a li- lead a life of indulgence and you know and imagine that one day suddenly pop they'll appear somebody and say i am god more likely it'll be <laughs> the devil wearing the mask of god austerity this austerity is again as the mother explains it's potentiating tapas the energies which are the intellect which is discursively spread out in all kinds of whatsapp gyan and newspaper and god knows what it should be turned one pointed towards the eternal that's austerity austerity of speech don't speak unnecessarily austerity of actions only those actions which help us in moving towards the great self austerity of everything feelings so everything should be there is there should be uh, austerity is about um, potentiating about concentrating an energy and turning it towards the goal of a quest so every thing comes under that the vedas are all its limbs what are the vedas they extend from within that secret knowledge and it limbs limbs are meant to grasp things which you cannot grasp so what does what happens to such a person vedas like limbs he has the full grasp of the world knowledge all around it can go and reveal truth is its dwelling place so we have you know of course it speaks about you know rarification of the mind again in the kain upanishad story and several places that it the upanishad assumes that you know self is involved within the mind and one has to by subtleizing the mind taking it higher and higher potentiating it you can reach a point where you can find the doorway to the self umahembati uh, so some of these uh, i think most of them already uh, i have spoken of but still if something is missing i'll see sreyas and priyas we have spoken about it pleasant and the beautiful pleasant and the good not beautiful this wisdom is not to be had by reasoning o beloved nachiketas only when told thee by another it brings real knowledge not another anybody but somebody who has the self knowledge can impart it the wisdom which thou hast gotten truly thou art steadfast in the truth why because he was after this seeking what is that truth which holds this entire existence even such a questioner as thou art may i meet with always poor death is looking for such a questioner when it can say sir you are immortal i give it back to you but most are not seekers so it takes them away when mortal man has heard when he has grasped when he has forcefully separated the righteous one from his body and one that subtle being it is locked with the body is to be separated he very beautifully one of swami vivekananda's famous quotes read think meditate and then let this idea flow into your veins let it occupy every possible space and then this by the power of this idea this truth is extracted from everywhere there is a call within then he has delight for he has got that which one can indeed delight in so what is the sign that we are arriving at god knowledge not the ability to give lectures not the ability to remember all the things all these things will come but they are not the real thing that person verily lives in delight 
There is no more sorrow, griefless state. There is always this state of inner delight. And then of course it speaks about this support is the best, this support is the highest. Knowing this support, one grows great in the world of the Brahman. Who is the support? Om, the syllable Om, the power of the word. The Upanishad speaks about this support is the greatest and the highest that man can ever have. And it's by grace that it reveals itself. None who has not ceased from doing evil or who is not calm or not concentrated in his being or whose mind has not been tranquilized can by wisdom attain to him. Mind has to become quiet, tranquility, there has to be calm, peace, equanimity. One should not be disturbed by up and down of circumstances. Even if one is disturbed momentarily, one has to get back to that poise. Learn to do that, then we can have it. May we have strength to kindle Agni, for he is the bridge of those who do sacrifice and he is Brahman, supreme and imperishable. And the far shore of security to those who would cross this ocean. What is Agni? The divine will in man. That divine energy. So when, it, when is it kindled? By the seeking from the lower for the higher. And when kindled, how does it grow? By offering, by oblations. The more we offer our actions to this Agni, they become purified and the Agni grows within us. So, this is how and let the wise man restrain speech in his mind and mind in the self of knowledge and knowledge in the great self and that again let him restrain in the self that is at peace. So again it speaks about withdrawing the consciousness from outer to inner. The self-born hath set the doors of the body to face outward. Therefore the soul of a man gazeth outward and not at the self within. Hardly a wise man here and there, desiring immortality, turneth his eyes inward and seeth the self within him. So we have to learn to draw the strings of consciousness and concentrate within. In the Upanishad it is primarily the heart because that's where the creator resides and discover him. One day by the force and intensity of this country concentration, the veil is rent and truth appears and the self appears. The rest childishly follow after desire and pleasure and walk into the snare of death who gapeth white for them. But calm souls, having learned of immortality, seek not for permanence in the things of this world that pass and are not. So, when every desire that harboreth in the heart of a man hath been loosened from its moorings, then this mortal putteth on immortality. Loseth is... Basically that even if they are coming, they are not having a grip upon him. They become loose. If, if it is satisfied, it's okay. But one is not seeking their satisfaction. One is not lusting after them. So it has become loose. And of course this famous one, when all the strings of the heart are rent asunder, even here in this human birth, then the mortal becomes immortal. This is the whole teaching of the scriptures. And probably finally we'll just read. They dwell in many bonds of the ignorance. Children thinking we have achieved our aim of paradise. So paradise is not the goal. Jannat me jayenge and we'll go to some heaven. For when the men of works are held by their affections and arrive not at the knowledge, then they are overtaken by anguish. Then their paradise wastes by enjoying and they fall from their heavens. 
So heaven of the vital worlds which we see in religious scriptures is not the goal of Upanishads. But to go still higher, something which is beyond them. Mind bewildered who hold the oblation offered and the well dug for the greatest righteousness and know not any other highest good. On the back of heaven they enjoy the world won by their righteousness and enter again this or even a lower world. So again it is saying this idea of good karma, bad karma, good karma, go to heaven and bad karma, go to hell. This is a very very imperfect knowledge. This is not the true knowledge. Back of heaven, we see in Savitri it is described, twilight of the gods. They go like that. But for the Upanishad, the goal is the highest good, the highest felicity and nothing short of that. But they who in the forest follow after faith and self-discipline, calm and full of self-knowledge, living upon arms. Basically, it's like you don't possess anything, you don't covet anything. Arms is not literally going with a begging bowl. But whatever you need will come to you to live with this faith, this truth of, you know, yoga shame, bahamayam. Divine will take care of you. Cast from them the dust of their passions. And through the gate of the sun they pass on there, where is the immortal, the spirit, the self, undecaying and imperishable. In that age, we didn't yet have the, uh, you know, the sun coming and descending upon earth. And then finally, I think we can stop with this. Take up the bow of the Upanishad. That mighty weapon, set to it an arrow sharpened by adoration. Draw the bow with a heart fully devoted to the contemplation of that. And, oh, fair son. You know, it's interesting. Arjuna actually also means the fair one. Sweet. Oh, fair one. Son. Somebody who has removed from him this evil tendencies, evil thoughts. Oh, fair son. Penetrate into that as thy target. Even into the immutable. Heart full of adoration. Take the bow of the Upanishad. So, how will we concentrate? Om is the bow and soul is the arrow. And that, even the Brahman is spoken of as the target. So, with the japa of Om, with the soul aspiring for the Brahman, full of adoration, it stays with that. That must be pierced with an unfaltering aim. One must be absorbed into that as an arrow is lost in its target. So you see it's very interesting when an arrow is lost in the target, its head is stuck in the target. Its tail quivers for some time. So must we be completely absorbed in the divine, even though the tail, the nature, which is attached to that, it may quiver for some time. It's okay. That some time may mean some time. <laughs> but within ourselves, we must always have the divine as the aim. So this is the teaching of the Upanishad. There are so, so many more practices, but more or less the essence is this.